Uh, we're going to be in Luke 22 this morning. If you have your Bible, you can flip open to that. Um, normally, uh, ending a series, I would start another series, but um, it's not really where God left me this morning. Um, I think a couple reasons for that. One is next Sunday we'll be celebrating two years um, of being in church. And uh, you're not going to want to miss that. I know it's a crazy weekend for a lot of you guys. Uh, that's why we're going to give you food to bribe you, not for after that. But um, And you're not going to want to miss what God's going to do next week. So I'm just saying, to your birthday, um, you want to be here for that. And it's going to be amazing. But this morning, uh, we're going to talk about communion. So you guys are like, okay, awesome. Uh, communion my whole life. So I don't really know what you're going to do with that. And uh, that was my thought process, honestly, when I, when I started uh, thinking about what we're going to talk about this morning, what, and God was like, two weeks ago, we, he was like, you're going to talk about communion. And I was like, okay, uh, there's something else to be great. And I'll be honest, for about two weeks, I made excuses uh, why we can't do that. Uh, I was like, this is not going to happen, this is not going to line up, this person's not going to be here, this is not going to be available for us. Um, and this yesterday morning, uh, I woke up and there was a strong feeling of no, we're going to talk about communion in the morning and we're going to do communion in the morning. So last night, about 12, I sat down to study and read the rest of the Bible. Um, literally. Uh, not really the whole thing, but just jumped around. So, what are we going to teach? What are we going to teach? What are we going to teach? Gonna teach? And the longer I read, the more tired I got, and there was nothing. It was crazy. And I was like, I was like, I'm not going to talk to you until you put me covered. And about 1 o'clock, I, I think I had even been asleep maybe, about 1 o'clock I woke up like, like solidly awake. And communion was like right there on my brain. And I was like, I was like, okay, now are you ready to do this my way? Because if not, you're going to look pretty stupid in the morning because you're going to get up and try to talk about nothing. Uh, and it's not going to work for you. And, um, I don't know why I'm telling us that. Because, uh, we all kind of have moments where we fight and resist what God's doing. And we know when our hearts are telling us to do something and we resist it. And I'm just going to say he wins. And you're going to get tired. Um, so just go with it the first time and you'll be good. But for two weeks, I've been tossing this around. What are we going to talk about? What are we going to talk about? This morning we're going to talk about communion. I think my biggest deal with it is I have communed my whole life. <laughs> I'll just be honest, from the moment I was, uh, I've been in church, I was raised in church, and I've seen it, and I didn't participate until I actually come to know Jesus when I was 11, but uh, I've seen it happen, and I've been around communion, and it was like, man, there's not even much to talk about. Like, we all know, like, the bread is the body, and the juice is supposed to be the blood, and that's great. And how are we going to fill up that time? Um, Man, just do you ever feel like you're missing the depth of what it is? Is it like just something we do in the church, or do you know why we do it? And that's kind of that's kind of where I fell out on this this week. Um, to be honest, I, I don't think we get, and I didn't get, what communion even that was. But the word communion comes from this root word communion. It says that it just means to live together, to dwell together, sharing responsibilities um, and possessions. Let me pull that last word. And it's this, it's this very intimate word, meaning that you, you live together, you dwell together, and, and you share everything. There's some more definitions if you're going to be there. One is to intimately share your thoughts and your feelings. And another one is to um, feel something great spiritually. All the definitions of communion 
bring us into this moment of intimacy, this moment of closeness, this moment of dwelling. So even, even the word communion should let us know that this is not just something we do. It's an intimate process where God has actually invited us in to dwell with Him. And this morning as we take that, man, I hope that, I hope that that's what we think about and that's what we come around is this idea that we are communing with God, that we are dwelling with God, that we are sharing our intimate thoughts and feelings with God, that we're, we're becoming close. See, the truth of it is, that's the whole point of the cross, wasn't it? The cross was never just to usher us in, like I was praying this morning, the cross was never just to usher us in to be better song singers. Like, it's great that we do that now, and there's all kinds of songs, and you can find them on the radio, you can find them everywhere else. There's all kinds of songs about God, but that was never the point of the cross. The point of the cross was not that we could sit in a room and we could hear somebody talk, although that, that's a great thing and it, it helps. And that's part of the, there's like a verse on that, I think, in the Bible somewhere that we should do that one. Uh, but that was never the, the plan of God. The sum total of the cross was not just to make us better Christians, but it was to invite us into the presence of God. And communion is a reminder of that thing. And then when I started thinking about all these things, I was like, man, that's so amazing. And I never thought that. I've had some amazing communions, I'll be honest. There were moments where just, you know, the songs and everything did, and it was like, okay, this is great, the cross happened, that's an amazing thing. But I don't think I've ever explored the depth and intimacy of this moment. And this morning, this is what I hope to do with us in Luke 22. Um, Luke 22 takes place about, uh, or just a couple hours before Jesus is going to die on the cross. Actually, the whole setting of Luke 22, especially what we're going to talk about, uh, tonight takes place between 6 p.m. And, and kind of that 9 a.m. moment where Jesus is going to be nailed to the cross the next day. This is the last 24 hours of Jesus' life. And, uh, and we're going to get a snapshot of that this morning. It says in 14, when the hour came. Now the hour here is two things. One, it's the time for this, this Passover, this celebration. It's always right when it starts to get dark, they would go in and they would come in to the, the Passover dinner. But it's also letting us know that, man, this is part of the plan of God. That Jesus in this moment knew that his time was kind of ending. He knew that he was about to leave this place. He knew the cross was coming. Jesus knew what that was going to look like. He knew what that was going to feel like. He, he had a very real glimpse of everything that was about to go down. And this was the moment and the hour it came. It was the plan of God. It says when that happened, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. The apostles here just being the twelve disciples. And I just want you to get this picture. This is the final 24 hours of Jesus' life. He knows that he is about to be nailed to a cross, and he sets down to dinner with these men. If you knew this morning somebody was coming to get you, they were coming to kill you, they were going to get rid of you, you probably wouldn't go and eat at the McDonald's with me, Right? You'd be, you'd be trying to get A the heck out of there. You'd be trying to find somewhere else to be because Jesus knew everything the cross was going to be. That doesn't even sound like a great thing to sit around and wait on. And B, you wouldn't be wasting your time eating dinner with me. You would be around the people that you cared the most about, right? You would be around the people that you needed to be closest to, the people you wanted to spend the final hours with. And here's what Jesus is doing in this moment. Jesus is not running from the cross, knowing everything the cross would be, knowing every ounce of pain that would come out of that, and knowing he's about to experience the full weight of the wrath of God down upon the Son of God. He sets around the table with his sin. This moment in itself is a different moment than every other moment that this has happened. The mood of the room would be a different mood than every other mood they'd ever had around this table because Jesus is wearing the weight of what's about to happen on the cross, yet he chooses to spend the time with his disciples. 
Jesus in this moment saying, you guys are important to me. Jesus in this moment saying, I love you guys. I'm about to die for you guys. And before I do that, I want to expect every ounce of intimacy, every ounce of conversation. I want to extract every ounce of closeness that I can because I'm going to leave this planet and there's going to be a while where we're not together. So let's be close now. So Jesus sets down and reclines at this table with these 12 guys. It says, then he said to them, tension had to be weird in the room. He says, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. What a weird thing to start off doing it, right? And I have fervently, I don't even think most of us know what the word fervently means. It means like a burning feeling. A bright burning desire. And desire is just this, this need, this want. I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now, if I was a disciple, I would get caught up on the before I suffer part. Jesus, it's great that you want to have dinner with me, but what are you talking about suffering for? See, Jesus knew what was about to happen on the cross, but the disciples had no idea. Jesus had said it over and over and over again. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. It's going to happen. It's coming. And then I'm going to be raised from the dead. He told them over and over again. But there was no expectation that this man who performed these miracles would actually do that. They were waiting around for Jesus to like die to sleep one day when he was 90 years old, but Jesus was talking about something different. And Jesus starts off dinner with, man, I really, 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 really like a burning passion in me want to eat this Passover with you because I'm about to suffer. I'm eating this place. In this moment, Jesus lets us know, man, this is going to be a dinner unlike any other dinner. These men probably have sat down with Jesus for the Passover at least three times in his ministry. The Passover was a festival they would celebrate every single year at an appointed day and appointed time since the people of Israel left Egypt. The Passover was a festival that actually symbolized the people of Israel leaving Egypt and, and what God did in that moment. And every little piece on the table had, had, a, had a different meaning and a different thing and, and had to be prepared in a different way. See, when God rescued the people of Israel out of Egypt, He did that through a series of plagues. So a bunch of but the final play was the one that he knew, man, this is going to break Pharaoh and my people are going to go. He told Moses before this plague was to happen, hey, I want you to take a, a, a lamb, a perfect lamb, a spotless lamb, a little big, cute, fluffy, white lamb. I want you to take it in the house for four days. I want you to feed it. I want you to pet it. I want you to love it. And then on that last day, I want you to kill it. And what a horrible idea, right? Once you start feeding something, it's a pet, right? Like once you bring it in your home and you're petting it, that's a pet. And most of us wouldn't take our pets and, and sacrifice them out in the yard. It's not something that sounds like an amazing thing to us. We, we learn to love our pets. We learn to want to be with our pets and care for our pets. God told Moses when you bring this land in the house, you're going to keep it for four days. Your kids are going to get attached. It's going to be a beautiful thing. And I want you to do it. I want you to take the blood of that lamb and I want you to paint the doorpost with the blood. When the angel comes by, the death angel comes by, if he sees the blood, he'll pass over the house. That's why it's called Passover. It's no coincidence that this is the moment that God chose to sacrifice his son, the perfect lamb of God, before the world. God knew on the calendar where that was going to be. And he's given us a symbol this morning, these disciples, a symbol this morning, and even Jesus being a symbol this morning knew, man, there's something different about this moment. 
See, God was about to use a different kind of lamb, a perfect lamb, not a little white fluffy lamb, but the Son of God who's been here for 33 and a half years and people had got attached to and people loved. And he was about to take that lamb outside before the whole world and slaughter it. So that wherever the blood was applied, not to a doorpost, but to a heart, the death angel would pass over. This is the moment that Jesus is saying, man, this is going to be a different Passover than you've ever experienced before. But isn't it crazy that God, knowing he was walking towards the cross, Jesus, knowing he's coming to the cross, said, man, all I want to do is eat with you. Man, I know what's about to happen. This whole dinner is a symbol of what's going to happen. This whole moment I'm about to change and do some miraculous things, and it, it, it's a symbol of what's happening for me tomorrow, but I have waited my whole life for this moment. Since, since conception, this is the day. I wanted to get here with you. I wanted to come into this moment with you. I'm 16, it says, For I tell you, I will not eat it again, this Passover meal, until it is fulfilled or completed in the kingdom of God. The work of Jesus. I'm not going to do this again. <laughs> this is, this is, yeah. Then he took a cup, a cup, a little cup, and after giving thanks, he said, I love that idea. Jesus knowing what's going to happen, knowing he's about to endure suffering, knowing it's about to get really rough on his side of eternity that he's sitting on right now, he still looks at God and he gives thanks. And this is not about to be fun. He goes to the garden here in just a few hours and prays God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But in, in that same moment, when that cup is in his hand, he's saying, but if it's, if it's your will, then let your will be done. Thank you. And how many of us walking into or in suffering can, can do that? God, thank you. And it sucks, but thank you. This is horrible, but thank you. This is the worst day, worst thing ever, but thank you. Because that's the example here set by the Son of God, knowing the full weight of what was about to come down. You don't know the end of it. He knows the end of it. And you've not endured the cross, but he's going for the cross. And he still looks to God and says, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to suffer. He took this cup, and, and after giving thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. He, he passes the cup to one of the disciples. He says, take this cup and just distribute it. Share it among yourselves. Take what I'm doing and share it. He says in 18, For I tell you from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Again, Jesus is saying, man, this is it. This is the following. This is the one. This is the thing. This is the deal. I'm going to do this once. I'm not going to do it again until the kingdom of God comes. Until we're all together again, I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to be setting up off by myself, communing by myself. That's not the point. It's an intimacy thing. What he's saying is, until man is fulfilled, until you come up to me, I'm not going to drink of this cup again. I'm not going to break this bread again. What he's saying is, until we sit down for supper in the kingdom of God, when everybody's come up and we're all together, and there's that great moment of intimacy, I'm not going to eat this dinner again. It's always about intimacy. Not to says, and he took the bread, and again he gave thanks, 
and he broke it. You know, this was some really stale bread, or it wants us to get the image of what God is really doing in this moment. This is, he took this bread and he, he broke it, or he tore it, or he ripped it, and he put whatever word he wants to in there, but he took this bread and, and, and he basically destroyed it. He, he ripped it to pieces. And then he said this, This is my body, which is given for you to do this in remembrance of me. I, I just want you to see this image for a second. I actually brought me some bread up here. I don't have anywhere to put this, so I'm not going to completely destroy it on stage. But have you ever paid attention when you rip bread, uh, pears, and pools? You take it and you separate it from it's, it's connected, it's not mushy and soft, it's like the thing. I'm pulling on it right now, it's not coming anywhere. And Jesus is taking this bread and he's pulling this bread apart, he's making it hurt at the time. And this whole time he's thinking, man, this is what I'm about to go through on the cross. This is what I'm about to endure. This is my body. This is a symbol of my body. He's not saying this becomes my body or when you eat this bread, you're really eating the body of Jesus. He's saying, but man, this bread in itself is a symbol of what's about to happen to me on the cross. And he takes it and he starts pulling it apart, feeling probably the weight of the moment that he's about to be beaten in just a few hours. The blood shedding on the cross started way before the cross and Jesus knew, man, they're going to whip me. They're, they're going to shred, they're going to break, they're going to tear my flesh into pieces. And at the end, it's not even going to resemble what it did at the beginning. He says, this is my body. And then he gives thanks in that moment. Can you imagine that as you're ripping that bread to pieces, knowing, man, this is about to be my flesh. This is about to be my skin. This is about to happen to me in a very real way. He rips it in half and he holds it up before God and he gives thanks. Man, thank you. He's sitting around the people that he knows he's about to die, very much so to save. And he looks in the eyes of these people, and he goes, this is my body, and then he thanks God for that. Man, this is my body that I'm giving up. This idea of giving is this offering. And what God is saying here in this moment is, I'm giving my body so you don't have to give yours. I'm trading places with you. I'm doing an exchange with you. See, the truth is, you deserve the full wrath of God. I don't deserve any of it. You can hear Jesus say over and over and over in the Bible, you can't find fault in me, you can't find sin in me. He really was the perfect, spotless Lamb of God without sin. He never thought a bad thought. He never did a bad thing. He never even hit his hand with a hammer and cussed out loud like he was that God. And here, surrounded by the people that he loves the most, he, he takes this bread and he feels the, the, the weight of what's about to happen to him. He rips it apart and he looks at the people that he loves in the eye. And in that moment, he says, thank you, God. Thank you that I can bear their suffering. Thank you that I can bear their shame. Thank you that I can bear their guilt. Thank you that I can be the vessel that, that not only lifts me back off of this planet, but gets them too. And he looks at him, and they probably have no idea what even was going on. They just need to get Jesus. And he says, this is my body, which is given, and some versions say broken, for you. For you. 
Peter in the eye. You're going to deny me. Or you look at Judas in the eye. You're about to betray me. Get the money on your belt. It's for you. Look at all the rest in the eye that didn't even make it into the story because when Jesus got taken away, they ran so far away they don't even get to be on the page. Same for you. Bruce Peter stayed close enough to see what's going to happen. He looks at these people and he says, man, this is, this is the reality of what's about to go down in his offering. It says in 20, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper. And he said about this cup, this, is, or this cup is the new covenant, the new agreement. And it's established, it's set on a firm, lasting foundation by my blood. It was shed for you. And most of us have no idea what the new covenant is. Um, but in Jeremiah 31, 31, it, it tells us, he says, super title, the new covenant. You can see the Bible, it's amazing. Um, it says, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. This is the words of God. Years and years and years before Jesus ever come on the picture, or at least on the planet. It says, This one will not be like the covenant I made with your ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Man, amazing. Here at the Passover. Changing the covenant. A covenant they broke even though I married them. They were unfaithful to me. I made the covenant and they were unfaithful to me. I married them. I became their God and they became my people. And they left me. They cheated on me with other gods. They ran after other things. They left me for other lifestyles. They brought other gods into my temple. Can you believe that? That's like saying I brought someone else into my bedroom. Instead, this covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, the Lord's declaration. It says, I will place my law within them. The law will be on paper. It will be in them. It says, I will write it on their hearts. It says, I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor and his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them. For I will forgive their wrongdoing and never again remember their sin. What's God about to do on the cross? <coughs> he's going to take this covenant that was between man and God and he's going to rip it just like the bread and just like his body and what he's going to do is he's going to place it in a new covenant that isn't dependent upon you and me and it's solely upon him. He says, I will forgive their sins and their wrongdoings. And he's about to do that. He's about to climb upon the cross and he's about to do that. And he says, you want to know what the sign of that is? The sign of that is my blood. And when I'm on that cross and I'm pouring out my blood and it's just shedding, it's pouring out of me and it looks like I don't have any left yet, I'm still bleeding. In that moment, I just want you to know I have signed the covenant, I have sealed the covenant, it is ratified, it is in place. And from this moment on, I'm not, I'm going to forgive your wrongdoings, I'm not holding your sin against you. And it's the cross that did that. 
Because the truth of it is, the new covenant doesn't depend upon you and you and you. Solely depends upon Jesus. You can be the worst person in the world. You can be the least in the kingdom. You can be the least in, in the moment, or you can be the greatest in the moment. But it doesn't depend upon you because it depends upon me. And he's saying that dinner the night before, you know that cup that you just poured out of and poured out of and poured out of and poured out of and just drink out of and drink out of drink out of and drink out of that cup that's filled you up. It's empty and you're filled that cup. And that's the that's the I'm about to be empty so you can be filled. And every time you take it and you drink it to the last drop, every time you suck down out of this cup, every time you do this in remembrance of me, I want you to do something. I want you to remember I was completely empty. So this morning you can be completely full. I was completely empty. So this morning you don't have to sit here in your sin and you don't have to wallow in your shame and your guilt because I just want you to know that same blood that poured out of that cup is the same blood that I took and I walked across your record. I don't remember what you did wrong. I don't remember your wrong doing. And I don't remember your sin. Because when I see you, I don't see you. I see the blood. Just like that. Just like those people in Egypt that took that blood and they painted that doorpost, I've taken that blood and I've painted your heart. This spirit is remembrance of me. Isn't that amazing? And that's, that, that, that's communion. That's the deal this morning. It's not this morning just about taking some piece of bread. We're not going to get full off that. And it's not just this morning about taking some little cup of juice. We're not going to get full off that. It's a reminder. It's a moment where we can stop and we can give thanks and we can say, you know what, Jesus? Your body was broken and torn. And you know what? I give thanks because that did fill me. This bread is not enough for you, the real bread. You are enough. This is just a reminder. You're the thing. This is communion. I'm coming in. And this cup, it's, it's not going to fill me. This cup is just a little thing. It's nothing. It's just grape juice. You can sell it all over the place. Anybody can get it. You don't even have to use it for communion. It tastes good. You can drink it at home. This cup means nothing. But this cup is a reminder when it is empty that, man, you were empty. But because you were denying full this morning. Because you shed your blood and you applied that blood this morning as I drink this. Man, I'm remembering the covenant doesn't depend on me. It depends on you. This morning I remember the promise doesn't depend on me. The agreement doesn't depend on me. It depends on you. And when you poured out your blood, you signed it. So this morning, no matter where I am or who I am, I can come in. I can come close. I can draw in. This morning, that's what communion is about. I mean, it's not about passing some bread and some juice around the room so that we can cry a little bit if we pick the right song. It's a moment where God is saying to us again, remember the thanks. And this morning, I just want you to know that's what God's calling me to. This morning, we can come back to that moment where the cross was still a passionate thing for you. Some of us have been told about the cross and told about the cross and told about the cross and for some reason it's just like we've got an injection like a shot and now we're inoculated to the cross and we can sing about the cross and we can talk about the cross and we can talk about how we were sinners and God saved us but it doesn't affect us it's not an emotional thing anymore it doesn't even really hit our brains anymore it's just like oh yeah I know about the cross thank you Jesus and God's saying you can come back into the moment but that's still amazing 
we come back into the moment where when you rip a piece off of that bread, you can remember, man, that my body really was shredded. It really did hurt. It really was torn. It really was recognizable. It was still the same thing, but it was completely different. For you. Remember. So my, my blood, man, it really was, it really was poured out. I really did shed it off. It doesn't feel good to bleed. And I was bleeding everywhere. But I was empty to you because remember. Give thanks. Okay. I know there's some of us maybe in the house this morning they are like, man, that's great for people that are already kind of in, but I'm really not, man. I'm really, 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 really out. For that, I just want to remind you that there was somebody sitting at this table that was really, 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 really out, and God still invited him to the table. You can even read it. It's just 22, for the Son of Man will go away as he's been determined. This is the plan of God. But woe to the man who is betraying him. He's sitting at the table with him. This man who's about to betray Jesus, who's wearing the money on his belt, is literally going to get up out of this room, going to go get the guards, and bring him right to where Jesus is, and then kiss him. That man is sitting at the table. In this moment, God's not saying, get up, you don't deserve this, get out, you're not part of this, I don't want to be close to you, I want to be far from you. He's still inviting him in to remember. Good things. This morning, you may feel like the betrayer of Jesus. I just want to let you know. This morning, you, you can still be part of the thing. God even can use this to bring you back in. You can still step in. It's not too late for you. You can be the least to come in. He chose to not. He took some bread and he took some juice and he got up and left. No difference. But you don't have to.